0: Well, hey, let's uh, have a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in. Let's pray. God, we ask right now that through your Holy Spirit, you would come and you would teach us, and uh, we would hear from you. And so, Lord, we ask right now that you would move in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Is it just me, or does it seem like we take more photographs today? than we ever have before. I mean, no matter where you're at, people always have one of these, and they're taking pictures. Someone's always snapping a shot, and then they post those on things like Instagram or Facebook or something else. And everywhere you look, you know, someone's taking a picture like this. What are they called? Exactly, selfies, and then we put them up. We've become a culture that is just captivated, and we've been captured to try to capture every single moment. Now, I'd like you to finish this phrase. A picture is worth what? A thousand words. And I believe that wholeheartedly, that that's what pictures are really worth. A thousand words. And I love photos. I love pictures. Uh, I take them of my kids all the time. And I love to look at photo albums. Uh, If I go to your house, I like to look at your pictures. And uh, I like to look back at our old pictures, our wedding picture, or uh, pictures of our kids, or some of our family albums. And pictures are just really cool because they capture a moment in time. More than any other holiday... Christmas is the time in which we take pictures and we send them out to other people. Now, just by a show of hands, how many of you sent out Christmas cards with pictures on them? Go ahead, raise your hand if you did that. Okay, a few people did. All right. Kind of thought there would be more than that, actually. But uh, we did, and a lot of people do. Now, when this happens, I think there are a few categories of Christmas cards. The first one is the destination card. The destination card. This is where people go to a destination and they take their Christmas picture, like Disney World. And so people get their Christmas picture and they send this out to everybody about the fact that they went to Disney World. Or maybe they go to a beach, like Myrtle Beach. And they get their picture taken, and then they send that out to everyone. And this is what usually happens to me when I see pictures like that. I open it up, and I go, wow, they go everywhere. I go nowhere. My life is so boring. And I push it back together, and I throw that one away usually. But no, uh, sometimes. The second type of card is the pet-only card. It's like the person who says, I love cats. I just love cats. I can't live my life without my cats. And so they send you a card that looks like this, that says, I'm wishing you a meowing Christmas. A meowing Christmas. Okay. Next is the supermodel mom card. Now, we all know that it's the moms who actually pick out the cards, right? And when they're looking through them, if mama's looking good in the picture, that's the one that we're going to send. If mama's not looking good, we don't send that. It doesn't matter if the husband is staring off in space somewhere. He has his eyes closed. Kids are picking their nose. They have their fingers like in their mouth. It doesn't matter. If mama looks good, that's the card that's going to be sent. There's also the Brad card. You ever get one of these before? You get something from someone and they start telling you how wonderful their life is and how all these different things they've done throughout the year. And their life is way up here and your life is way down here. And after I read uh, something like that, I sense that it's kind of like, I've accomplished nothing. I've done nothing. And my family is a bunch of losers. You know what I mean? Compared to the bragging card. One more. The kid-only card. The kid-only card. This is the one that we sent out uh, from our family this year. There's a picture of it here. These are our our daughters, Jordan and Shiloh. But on the night that this decision was made, I walked in and my wife said, "Uh, Chris, I'd like you to come in and look at our Christmas card and decide if you like it, which is simply code word for say you like it and leave as fast as you can. (laughs) So I walk in and I look at this and I go... Really? And she's like, what? She's been spending already about an hour and a half looking through all the pictures to find this one. I said, well, where are we at? I said, we're the two, you know, they have a mom and dad. We're the ones that created them. We're the ones that created these two little angels. Where is our picture in this? To which she said, well, I couldn't find a good picture... Of all of us together, which I don't want to say anything, but I thought, I'm just going to say one phrase. I think this will help my case. And I go, honey, you would look good in any picture that there is. And then she said this, don't even try it. If you don't like the picture, you can go ahead and find which picture you want and you can send them all out and send them to Costco and do all this stuff and wah, 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 wah at that point. That's just what my interpretation was, okay? I don't, I don't know if that was it. And I finally just said, okay, that's good. And so this is what we came up with. Now, if you look at this picture, what you will probably decide it's like, those two are angels. They're just angels. And most of the time they are. But not always. I mean, sometimes they are ornery. Sometimes they're angry. Sometimes they're whiny. Sometimes they're pouty. Sometimes they are not angels whatsoever. Even though one is toothless, We don't even have toothless angels sometimes. But you see, when you send out a Christmas card, you never really capture everything about the person. All you capture is that particular moment in time. And you take the picture, and boom, there it is. But you see, Christmas cards never tell us. That mom and dad are in a serious conflict. That maybe one of the kids is failing in school. They don't tell us that the marriage is hanging on by a thread. They don't tell us that someone is sick of an illness and they haven't gone public with it yet, but they are. You see, cards just don't tell the whole story. They just give us an image of a photograph, something that we've captured. Now, what if I walked up to you and I asked you this question? What kinds of images do you have of God? What if I ask you, what kinds of images are you carrying of Jesus? Because the reality is every single one of us has a different image of Jesus. Some of us have an image like this one, of Jesus in the manger, Jesus in the crib. That's our picture, Jesus in the crib. Others of us have an image of Jesus and it is Jesus, here's the other image, it's Jesus on the cross. But there is another image that I want you to gather today. It's not just these two images, but another one I want you to look at here in just a little bit. But Christmas, if you think about, is captured by different images of who we think Jesus is. And Jesus always desires to reach out and capture you as well. And that's what Christmas is. It is a divine capture of Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says this. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. It's in the crib that Jesus captured our humanity. God's love came down from heaven to come to earth. It's a very complex thought that Jesus left heaven, he came in human flesh, and he lived among us. This concept is called the incarnation. We're not going to go through that whole theological concept because it's difficult to understand. It's difficult for me to understand, so what I did was I taught about it on Sunday. So if you want to know about more of it, you can go on our website and you can check it out. But instead of discussing those complexities, what I want to do is talk to you about or ask you some questions about what that means. Let me ask you this evening, have you ever been stabbed in the back? Have you ever been gossiped by someone else? They've spread gossip about you. Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever been ripped off? Well, if any or all of those things have ever happened to you, you might be sitting there and thinking to yourself, I've been hurt in so many ways by so many people that there is just no way that anyone could understand. Nobody understands me. But let me add just two more words to that phrase. Nobody understands like Jesus. Or maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, I have had a very difficult year because I lost a loved one. No one understands my pain. No one understands my emptiness. They don't understand. Nobody understands. But let me just add two more words to that phrase. Nobody understands like Jesus. Folks, Jesus is a sympathetic Savior. He has been where you're at. He has experienced every single human emotion and pain and disappointment that you have experienced. And he gets it. And in the crib, he captured our humanity. Now, on the cross, Jesus captured something in a swell. On the cross, he captured our calamity. Now, you might be asking, calamity, what's that about? What are you talking about? What I'm talking about is sin. And sin is simply a Greek word that has a concept of archery, where if you've ever seen an archer, as they get ready to hit it, they're looking for a mark. And sin is when you've missed that mark. You've flubbed up, you've messed up, you've screwed up in something in life. You've sinned, I've sinned. Every human being has. God is the only one who is holy and perfect, and you and I are not. No one taught me how to sin, folks. I just was born that way. I was a natural born sinner. And you are too. You've had moral turnovers. You have had flagrant fouls. And Proverbs chapter five, verse twenty two and twenty three says this. An evil person is captured by their own sin. They are are ropes that catch and hold him. They will die for lack of self-control. They will be lost because of their great foolishness. Basically, the sin in our life is like a rope that we get tangled up in, that we get all tied up because of the sin in our life. And we get so tangled up. And maybe some of you are sitting there and it's Christmas. But the reality is, you're all kind of tangled up in your sin. I can't even get it. (laughs) Tangled up in your sin. And yet when Jesus went to the cross, what he did was, was he took the rope off. And he said, whatever the sin is, that you've gotten tangled up in if you turn to me I'll forgive and I'll remove it on the cross Jesus captured every sin from your past every sin in your present and every sin that you'll ever commit in your future he allowed all of the sin of the world to be shouldered to be placed upon his shoulders And in that moment, it was like an exchange took place. It's like if you took this book and you said, this is the sin. When Jesus went to the cross, it was like you and I are filled with sin. We are full of sin. We have the rope of sin in our life. But when he went to the cross, an exchange took place. And it looks really bad for Jesus. It looks really bad for him. But look at this hand. It's free. Because you're set free when you turn to him. Because on the cross, he captured all of our calamity. Now there's one more picture that you really have to be able to capture if you're going to understand the essence of Christmas. And it's the picture of a crown. Of a crown. My dad has a big head. He really does. In fact, all of the bunches have big heads. I have a big head. My daughter Shiloh has a big head. We have big heads because we're smart. That's why, I think. (laughs) Now, the thing is, I never realized I had a big head until one day I went to my favorite restaurant in the world as a kid, Burger King. Home of the Whopper. And it was then that they would give you these little crowns that you could put on your head. The only problem was, no matter how much I tried to maneuver it, the crown never fit on my big, gigantic head. Other kids had crowns of the Burger King, but I didn't. I would have to put, like, tape on the back or, you know, like, staple it, make something longer to leave it on my head. It just didn't fit. It didn't look right. Have you been choosing a crown lately? Maybe it's possessions, and you're trying to get the bigger car, the nicer house, something of worldly means, but the reality is the crown doesn't fit. Or maybe you're chasing down pleasure. You're trying to have fun in anything and everything that you can do. But the crown doesn't fit. Maybe it's power. You find yourself working all the time. You're always at work. You're trying to do anything you can to move up the corporate ladder. But at the end of the day, the crown doesn't fit. You know, a lot of us go through life and all we're doing is trying to find the next crown. I want a crown. I want a crown. I want a crown. Can I find the crown? And Jesus, because he is so patient and so loving and so grace-filled, he waits for us to finally realize that we were not made to wear a crown. But ultimately, there is only one who is called to wear a crown. And with that crown, he became royal. And with that crown, he captured royalty for all of us. That all of the royalty of heaven can be given to you. But you see, folks, what you have to realize is that what Jesus did in the crib and what he did on the cross is that he did all of that so that we could be adopted, so that we could wear a crown one day, not the crown but a crown that he gives to us that says we're allowed to go to heaven. But if we want to do that, if we want all of the royal gifts of heaven, we have to be willing to bow the knee and give up our crown to the one who ultimately is the only one who can wear the crown, the king of all things. You simply say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I bow my knee to you this Christmas. Because Christmas is about the divine capture, the crib, the cross, the crown. So let me ask you this morning, or this this evening, have you crowned him as king? Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says this, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Of God the Father. Now, if you look at that scripture, how many knees are going to bow? Every knee. Every knee. Everybody, scripture says, will one day bow the knee to Jesus and call him Lord. Everybody. Now, the scripture is not saying that everyone is going to become a Christian, it's just saying that everybody one day will bow. They'll either bow now or they'll bow later. But one day, everyone will bow. Now for some, that will be too late. So the question is, will you crown him king and will you bow to him this Christmas or will you try to keep the crown for yourself? Folks, I'm just asking you tonight this question. Do you know Jesus? And do you know him as King? My wife's uh, grandmother, Betty, had this particular picture uh, that we'll bring up of Jesus that was on her wall. She had it on her wall all the time. But Jen's grandma was not the kindest person in the world. In fact... She was a very hard-nosed woman. She was negative a lot of the time. She never smiled very much. When we would go to Thanksgiving, kind of some people were put in one section, others were put in the other. You know, you just kind of split them up. And her home never felt like this real welcome place. But she always had this picture that was up on the wall. And I always wondered, did she know Jesus? Or did she simply have a picture that she had captured for the wall? You see, folks, it's one thing to have the image of Jesus on your wall, or maybe it's a crib, or maybe it's a cross, or maybe it's a crown. But it's another thing to actually know him personally. Well, what was interesting was after Betty lost her husband, She really softened a lot and she actually came to the jar several times. She started going to church and her son one day just asked her, you know, Jesus, or do you know the man on the wall? Do you know him? And she did and she bowed her knee and she crowned him king. Tonight I want to ask you, have you ever crowned Jesus king of your life? Have you ever said, Jesus, I crown you king. I'm trashing all of the other crowns. And it's not a picture of a crib. It's not a picture of the cross, although both of those pictures are important. It's a picture of a crown that I reduce myself and allow you to be the one who I surrender to. Philippians chapter 2 verses 10 and 11, again, says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Have you said to him recently, Jesus, I crown you king. You're willing to call him king of your life. And tonight, if you haven't made that surrender, I'm going to lead us through a prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud, but just silently to yourself. And maybe today on this Christmas Eve, you could be captured and Christmas could capture you. Let's pray. If you've never bowed your knee before, if you've never asked Christ to be center of your life maybe you were invited here tonight maybe you've drifted away for a while but the reality is he hasn't been king of your life I just invite you to silently kind of repeat this prayer after me Jesus I want you to be king of my life I admit to you That I have messed up in sin. I have chased all kinds of crowns, but none of them fit. So tonight, Jesus, I crown you King. I believe that you came into this world sinless and that you died on a cross so that I could be forgiven and set free I believe that you were buried and rose again and I surrender to your capture just say to him right now Jesus come into my life I want to begin a relationship with you I pray this in his name Amen.